0: You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. It takes two to tango. and As the old song goes from Bye Bye Birdie, if kids could only be like we were, perfect in every way, we would not be faced with a new epidemic that is fortunately being brought under control. Join me at the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Mark Klein. Dr. Klein is a professor of pediatrics at the Baylor College of Medicine and at Texas Children's Hospital. He is chief of retrovirology and president of the Baylor International Pediatric AIDS Initiative. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Klein. Today we will be discussing the diagnosis, prevention, and treatment of AIDS. I was wondering, there's a home pregnancy test, there are rapid tests for strep, for influenza. Will there be someday a home AIDS test or some sort of way that individuals can screen themselves?
1: Well, these tests have been espoused, but I think for the foreseeable future, really, um, as clinicians, we should be promoting testing in the clinical setting, uh, in the setting of clinics. Um, There are a number of rapid tests available for HIV now uh, that uh, yield results in in 15 minutes, and so... um, The old days where we brought a patient in, tested them for HIV, asked them to come back in a week to get the results, those days are are largely a thing of the past. Um, That was always a real impediment to getting people to to, um, submit the testing because the stress that occurred over the course of a week waiting for the test results was, was something a lot of people couldn't bear. And then in addition, uh, a number of people just didn't come back and follow up to get their test results. But now we we have the ability to do these tests rapidly and uh, give results to the patient almost immediately.
0: If you're giving results to patients this quickly, how do you prepare yourself and how do you prepare the patient when you have to give them the news?
1: Well, there's a certain amount of counseling that occurs even before the test is done, uh, talking with the patient about their risk behaviors, uh, gauging the likelihood that the patient will test positive, and talking with them about how they plan to deal with either a positive or a negative test result. And then when you have the, the test result, you do the post test counseling and you deal with issues of, of uh, either, if the person is negative, hopefully, um, you would deal with what kinds of behaviors have put the person at risk for HIV in the past and how they might change those behaviors so that they can remain negative. And if they should test positive, you certainly would want to provide appropriate linkages to care and treatment and to make known to them that therapy is available and that therapy can be quite effective and really encouraging them to, um, to link with care and treatment services immediately.
0: So at Baylor, they would immediately be brought into the system, so to speak. Correct. Correct. What today are the most common modes of transmission, and is it the same in the United States as well as it is internationally?
1: Things have been a bit different in the United States than than uh, in Africa, for example. In the U.S., historically, of course, th- this disease started uh, and was predominantly found among gay men. That has evolved a bit over time. Um, there's more heterosexual transmission of HIV among adults today than there was in the past. There has been a constant um, issue of intravenous drug use and the sharing of needles, which has resulted in transmission in a number of settings. Uh, And then there is mother-to-child transmission of HIV, which has been the dominant cause of HIV or route of transmission for children. In Africa and in much of the world, heterosexual transmission really is dominant and on a so on a global scale there's far more transmission of HIV that occurs heterosexually than by any other route
0: what are the best practices in prevention
1: the best practices in prevention i guess would be are multifaceted um if you're talking about sexual transmission there really are are three approaches uh, either to abstain from sex if one is not abstaining from sex to be faithful to a single partner who is hopefully HIV Uninfected, and for those individuals who um, neither abstain nor have a single partner, uh, the use of condoms to prevent transmission has been employed in a number of settings um, with good effect.
0: How effective is a condom?
1: A condom, a latex condom used consistently and correctly, is very effective in preventing transmission of HIV.
0: I understand Merck is working on a vaccine. Is that close to fruition?
1: I think vaccines are a way off. Um, Vaccine development for HIV has posed many, many challenges. And I'm not a vaccine expert, but people in the field tell me that an effective vaccine may still be a number of years away. Now, at a population level, even a vaccine that was only modestly effective could have enormous implications in prevention of infections. So it may well be that there is sort of an intermediate stage where we have a vaccine that can't guarantee protection of an individual, but at a population level could offer a degree of protection that would reduce the number of infections that were occurring.
0: I'm going to pause for a moment to welcome those who may have just joined us. For those who are joining us, you are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, And we are speaking today with Dr. Mark Klein, professor of pediatrics at the Baylor College of Medicine and the Texas Children's Hospital. He is chief of retrovirology and president of the Baylor International Peds AIDS Initiative. We've been speaking about diagnosis, prevention, treatment of AIDS, and I'd like to talk about screening for AIDS, who should be screened, how often, and how do we prevent transmission from mother to child.
1: Well, people who have risk behaviors, obvious risk behaviors for HIV, some of those that we've talked about already, should be screened for HIV. Uh, Pregnant women certainly should be screened for HIV. This is a recommendation that has been made by a number of professional organizations, including the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. In many states, most states today, Women must be offered, under the law, must be offered an HIV test, pregnant women, that is. And so states have various approaches to this. In many states today, a woman is tested routinely for HIV if she's pregnant uh, unless she uh, says she doesn't want the test done. And then for those women who are pregnant and who test positive for HIV, they certainly should be given antiretroviral treatment to prevent transmission of the virus to the fetus or the newborn infant. The virus can be transmitted in utero across the placenta. It also can be transmitted at the time of delivery by exposure of the newborn to cervical vaginal secretions. We typically For a woman newly diagnosed with HIV during pregnancy, we would wait to the end of the first trimester to initiate therapy. Typically, women in the United States are treated with a, a combination of medications, highly active antiretroviral therapy. And these medications are very powerful at reducing the amount of virus in blood and in cervical vaginal secretions. And we can almost guarantee that the babies born to those mothers will be born uninfected with HIV, the risk of transmission. Pregnant mother treated with highly active antiretroviral therapy is less than 1%.
0: Do these children have to be followed? In other words, do you see ever late cases emerging?
1: The infants do need to be followed and tested. Um, We test the infant typically at birth. We would test again at a couple of weeks of age and then typically at two or three months of age. And um, if all of those tests are negative and the tests are, are done with, uh, using DNA PCR or RNA PCR, those tests are negative, then we can presumptively say that the infant is uninfected with HIV. In a number of centers, my own included, we would do one more test at 15 or 18 months of age, just a simple ELISA test, document that the uh, antibodies that were present in the infant's blood that had been passed transplacentally, that those had disappeared, indicating uh, that the infant is indeed uninfected with HIV. We have not seen really late infections where um, where the infant tests negative initially and then turns up positive for HIV at a later time point. The, the one exception to that statement might be in, in a population where an HIV-exposed infant is being breastfed and where late transmission of HIV could occur through breast milk. But in the United States, HIV-positive women are counseled against breastfeeding, so really all of these infants should be formula-fed, and there really should not be any late transmission.
0: I thought I had read a recent statement, probably on the Internet, about breastfeeding in children with HIV-positive mothers, and they said it did not have an adverse effect. Did I read it wrong, or is this a controversial area?
1: You may have been hearing about some data from Africa. In African settings, breastfeeding, exclusive breastfeeding generally is recommended because there is not a good alternative, uh, because clean water is not routinely available, and, and uh, breastfeeding has a number of other advantages, including prevention of diarrheal disease and so forth. Um, exclusive breastfeeding generally is recommended. So there are data from Africa that suggests that Yes, that while exclusive formula feeding could reduce the number of HIV infections, that benefit is largely or, or perhaps totally negated by deaths that occur from contaminated water and from diarrheal disease that occurs among formula-fed infants.
0: Could you discuss with us, and I know I was going to say briefly, but that's probably a misnomer, but what is the current status of treatment, current state of the art, the new drugs, immunomodulators, What do you see as the future either on the horizon or what we're currently doing now? Well,
1: highly active antiretroviral therapy today uh, has not changed so much really from what it was a decade ago. Um, We typically use three medications that target at least two points in the HIV life cycle. Typically, we are using uh, nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor backbone. And so, in most regimens, typically there would be two nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors. And then the third drug can be either a non nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor or a protease inhibitor. And that really constitutes highly active antiretroviral therapy and is effective for most patients. We do not routinely employ immunomodulators, although these have been studied and are under study. Um, we sometimes, depending on the the status of the person's immune system. We might give additional medications to prevent certain opportunistic infections like pneumocystis carinii pneumonia or mycobacterium avium infection. But for most patients, really, that three-drug antiretroviral combination is going to be the cornerstone therapy.
0: Have they been able to reduce the number of pills a person with HIV takes as part of their daily treatment?
1: Yes. In the past, patients were taking 16 or 20 pills a day. And now, In fact, highly active antiretroviral therapy can be given as a single pill once a day for the first time.
0: I bet that increases compliance.
1: It does, yeah. When you reduce the burden of taking the medications, you really can enhance compliance.
0: Once again, our time is flying by. Do you have a take-home message for our audience?
1: Well, I think it's a real time of hope for people with HIV. We've seen uh, the face of HIV positively transformed by highly active antiretroviral therapy. So while We don't have a cure for this disease, we certainly have effective therapies. And so we should encourage our patients who may be at risk for HIV to to know their HIV status by getting an HIV test. And we should encourage them to know that if they should test positive, there are effective therapies that can keep them alive and healthy for many, many years.
0: I again want to thank Dr. Mark Klein, who I have been privileged to have as my guest. We have been discussing AIDS in the pediatric population the diagnosis, prevention, and treatment. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.